0: First, that that first little storefront building and I had the privilege to come through the years and watch the progress you know and as the Lord would grow you know, and there would be setbacks as with all church plants you know there'd be you know the, the the you know you'd get the highs and the lows and the losses and the gains and all of the things that go with building a church and so I've been just so blessed to watch through the years uh, just the wonderful solid, congregation and work that has been built here in Las Vegas. And I'm telling you what, uh, congratulations, 20 years. Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. Congratulations to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I got to tell you, I love and appreciate your pastors, and they truly do love you. They really took that, that to heart, and uh, we, we missed them because they had the reason I think that I selfishly hung on another three years is because they were such a tremendous asset to the Huntington Park Church while they were there. And so, amen, uh, praise the Lord. We we felt like we were sacrificing for Jesus when we let them go. Praise the Lord. And so we love you guys, amen. Uh, I love you. I'm so thankful for uh, all these years of friendship and co-laboring together, amen, and, uh, and just blessed tonight. I'm sitting here listening to the worship team and watching some kids that I've known since all of their lives and seeing the hand of God on them uh, as they've developed in their walk with the Lord and their callings. And I'm telling you what, I'm just tremendously blessed to be here and to celebrate with you guys. Praise the Lord. And again, wonderful to see my precious friends tonight and co-laborers. Amen. Uh, so I'll just get right into the message because I told Sister Doris, uh, my traveling buddy, hey amen. Uh, uh, I told her, I said, you know, Patty, I think I'm going to be long-winded tonight. She goes, why? I go, because normally I'm, I have six pages of notes. I said, tonight it's 10 pages of notes. I'm, I'm a little worried. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I go, I'm going to have to talk fast. I'll, I'll move fast. But some of you looked really nervous right then when I said that. Praise the Lord. But It's a Friday night, okay? Let's loosen up. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, there you go. There you go. Praise the Lord. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Lord, we just thank you for the time that we have tonight together, Lord, to worship you and to be together, Lord God, to connect, Lord God. Lord God, iron sharpening iron, Lord God, just those impartations of relationship and friendships, Lord, the things that just being here, Lord, in your presence, Lord God, and with one another, Lord God, we are rich indeed. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, tonight for your word. And I pray, Lord, that your word will go forth. It'll do its intended work in our hearts, our minds, our lives, our churches, our families. Lord God, I just pray, God, tonight, Lord, that you will help us, Lord God, to just lay all the worries aside, all the distractions, Holy Spirit, would you take your word, and would you, Lord, speak, Lord God, make it relevant to where we are at, each one as an individual. Lord, you know where each one is at. Lord, speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, amen, I'm ministering tonight on your theme. Amen. The the, the bring I'm going to bring to the table my part of the assignment. I know that you guys are going to hear some wonderful things over the next couple of days amen and i believe that that there's after the whole thing is over you know you're going to you're going to go okay wow we got more, all of these various portions and uh, and so i'm bringing part of that hopefully tonight amen a portion of the assignment that i believe that the lord has given me so i'm going to minister on declare and i love your theme text uh, tonight first peter chapter 2 and verse 9 peter writes but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. You know, when Pastor Art uh, sent the theme, and he sent me the theme text, and he asked me to come and minister, you know, after it was time to begin to study, I began to just read First Peter, just read through it, you know, and get the you know, get the feel of what was happening. Uh, that uh, as Peter writes this letter, and just I began to immerse myself to to feel the whole, to catch the whole of what Peter was writing to the people. And he wrote this first letter. There's first and second Peter. He wrote this first letter to the believers in the churches in Asia Minor, and these believers were primarily gentiles they were they were uh, converts that had converted they were gentile converts that had been saved and given their lives to Jesus Christ and the church was the churches were beginning to experience severe persecution they were beginning in the beginning stages of suffering and rejection And uh, uh, they were beginning to feel the effects of being mocked and, and treated unfairly and all of those things because of their faith. And so Peter is writing to them to encourage them. He's writing to them to impart some really important things because he knows what's coming. He sees what's already happening, and he knows what's coming ahead for them. And so he's trying to prepare them. And I believe that after reading and studying this book the entire book of first Peter I believe that this entire letter speaks just as loudly to us today in 2021 as it did to its original or its first recipients I believe that there's powerful things that the lord wants to speak to you throughout the next couple of days through these verses and, and this text and the things that were going on in that first those first, that first audience I believe God wants us to learn from what God was speaking to them. And so tonight I want to bring to you to the table what I believe the Holy Spirit spotlighted in my spirit as I prepared this message. And so the first thing I want you to consider with me is that Peter, throughout the book, he makes a point to tell the believers who they are, who they are. It seems to be very important. In fact, I challenge you, go home. Don't just read the one te- the one verse. Go home and read the entire book. Amen. And you'll, you'll find that he's, he's telling them several different designations of who they are. He uses different metaphors to define and describe who they are. Now, how many of you know that identity is really, really critical? And Peter understood that. He needed them to understand, listen, you're going to need to know your identity. You need to know who you are. That's going to be very important because if we don't know who we are, difficult circumstances will not make sense and they will leave us confused. But when we know who we are, when we know what we are supposed to do and why, and then Amen. We become strengthened. Amen. When we're confused, we're not sure of our identity. Amen. When rough time comes, we can move off course very, very quickly. Amen. And for that reason, Peter reminds them throughout the letter, and he uses various titles and descriptions. Let me give you, I'm going to give you a few. He says that you are heirs, You're heirs. He says in in the first chapter, in verse 4, he says, And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Now an heir is defined as someone or a person who inherits or has a right of inheritance in property or position. Or or it is a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. I mean, you've inherited something. Something's been left to you rightfully. You're the rightful heir of something that's been passed down to you. So he says, you have... A priceless inheritance. He's calling him an heir. We are the recipients of privilege and position because we have been born again into the family of God. Romans 8 says, We call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Man, so who are you tonight? You're an heir. You're an heir. He calls in the book, he calls us living stones. That's another metaphor that describes to us who we are. In 1 Peter 2 5, he says, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And over, in other words, that is that we are strategically placed into this great temple of which Christ is the cornerstone. I'm sure you guys have heard that preached. He's the cornerstone. He is the foundation stone upon which everything is built. In other words, we are not to see ourselves only as individuals, but we are to see ourselves as part of the whole. Amen. 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 We are part of this temple. Amen. You're, you're one of the living stones that are part of the building. You're part of the structure. Yes, the Lord sees us individually. Amen. He knows us each individually. He's, he's individually concerned about each and every one of our lives. But he is speaking to the church collectively. The church, when we are in unity, is a loud declaration to the world. And Jesus is passionate and committed to building this marvelous and this mysterious thing that we call the church. It has stood through the ages, and even now, it has battles from the inside, battles from the outside, amen. But Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, amen, amen. So this is powerful. He calls us living stones. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be a rebellious stone. I don't want to be a rolling stone. Amen. I want to be a living, faithful stone that is in place. Amen. Because that's allowed when the church speaks, and the church speaks in unity, and all the stones are in place. Amen. God's temple is not like, you know, uh, Uh, all moving and uh, disorganized. Amen. We become a very powerful voice. Amen. He calls us the redeemed. He calls you the redeemed. I'm telling you tonight who you are, Peter. and, And there's many more. If you want to study the book, I'm going to name just a few. He says to you, you are the redeemed. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile way of life, handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. Folks, that word redeemed means that we were bought back. We were recovered. We were reclaimed. Amen. He restored us. We were that lost coin. We were the lost lamb. We were the prodigal that Luke... Tells us about that. It gives us those parables about how valuable that each of those were. That that they were searched for. They were chased after. Amen. That's who we are. We were sold into slavery by sin, but Jesus paid the blood price to purchase us back and redeem us from slavery. I want you to get that metaphor. Get that picture in your mind. That's who you are. You were on the slave block. Amen. But he paid the price and he purchased us back. This is this description of what the blood of Jesus did for us. It's who you are. You're an heir. Praise the Lord. You're living stones. You are the redeemed. Amen. He calls us both foreigners and citizens. 1 Peter 2.10, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And we as God's people live in this strange tension between our earthly citizenship, which is temporary, and our heavenly citizenship, which which is eternal. Amen. We live, you might say, you and I hold dual citizenship. We have dual citizenship. We live purposely here and enjoy our here and now. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. Amen. We're not so heavenly minded that we're not of any earthly good. Amen. Amen. But we also know our longing is, rather, our longing is for heaven and our allegiance is to our king. Amen. So we have this dual citizenship, this tension between these two. Um, citizenships, amen, but our eternal one is the one that is our true identity, amen, that's why he calls us, amen, we're foreigners here, amen, we're we're long-term foreigners, amen, we're going to live on, until Jesus calls us home, amen, we're living in our temporary citizenship, amen, but we are eternal citizens, can you say amen? amen, praise the Lord, our true citizenship is in heaven, amen. Uh, the Word of God says that we are in the world, but we're not of it. Amen. And if you can remember who you are, it will help you to reconcile many of the pressures and the imbalances that we agonize over. Amen. Have you ever noticed that sometimes there's such a contradiction? We live in in contradiction sometimes, and we're trying to, and we wonder, why do we feel this tension, amen, because there's a tension between these two, these two citizenships, these two allegiances that we walk in, that we live in, amen, we love our families, amen, we love our nations, amen, we, we, we have these, these uh, loyalties, amen, and, and then we're pulled, we, we under, we wonder why we can't get completely, why we don't completely fit, have you ever noticed that, Amen. We just don't completely fit. Amen. We're supposed to enjoy the journey. Amen. But we never really, we never really fully identify with the world. Amen. We live in that tension. Can you say amen? Why is that? Amen. Because we are both foreigners and citizens. Amen. He calls us, in your key text, he calls us chosen people. It's who you are. You are chosen. First Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people. Now, this was the same designation that God spoke to Israel when he set them apart from all the other peoples, all the other nations. He set them apart to be a representative of God and, and his ways so that the world could get a picture of what God expected, what God was like. Amen. They were able to get a glimpse of the character and the ways and the will of God through his chosen people. He said to them in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 through 8, he said, The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply the Lord loves you, and he was keeping an oath that he had sworn to your ancestors. Amen. So he spoke that first to Israel, but now he tells us the church, you are the chosen people. You're the chosen people. I mean, this does not disregard Israel. Don't anybody misunderstand that? But you and I now have been given the privilege of being brought in to that wonderful designation. We are the church collectively. We are now uh, and individually. We are part of that unique and special group of chosen people. In the same way that God initiated the relationship with Israel and he called them Chosen, so it is now. God's loving initiative brought the church to Himself. Ezekiel thirty-seven twenty-seven says, "I will make my home among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people." Amen. That's who you are tonight. Who are you tonight? You're chosen. You're His chosen people. He uh, He goes on and says, "You are royal priesthood." You are in uh, verse 2, 9, the chapter 9, or verse 9, rather. He says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Under the Old Testament covenant, only those from a particular bloodline qualified to hold those sacred positions. But now that we are adopted into the bloodline of Christ, amen, we now, amen, hold those positions, amen. We now have direct access through God, to God, through Jesus Christ, we have access, amen. He said, you are a royal priesthood. You serve, amen. Not only do we have access ourselves, amen, but we can help bring other people to Christ, amen. We can bring them to Christ. We are serving in the course of our royal king, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. He calls us a royal priesthood, amen, because we serve in a royal kingdom, amen. He calls us a holy nation, and I'm going to come back to that one in just a minute, amen. But hang on to that word holy. He calls us a holy nation. He calls you and I God's special possession, amen. King James Version uses the word peculiar, peculiar, meaning an unusual or special, purchased, amen. In other words, we're, we're a priceless possession, Over and over in Scripture, God's people are referred to as his special possession or his special treasure. Now, in my 68 years, I have acquired a few things, just a few. I mean, I've had a lot of things in life, acquired things that, you know, precious items that were given to me. Things maybe that my husband bought me, or things that were that are very precious to me. Amen. I might not have monetary value, amen, but they're valuable to me. I'm sure everybody here can name a few things that are very, very valuable to you. They're very special. I have a few of those things, amen. And if there was a fire to break out, I would feel very bad to lose those things. But I tell you what, there's a few items. That are so valuable to me, I gotta tell you, I think I would be tempted to run back into the house and rescue those things that are such so special to me. I would be tempted to do that because those items are my special possessions. Folks, that is who you are to God. I'm talking about who I. You are. That's what Peter deals with through the whole book. He's talking about who we are. Hey, then you need to understand who you are. It's very important. And then he finishes off verse 9 of your text. He says, we are those who declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In other words, uh, he says, and I just went through it with you guys, you and I are heirs, living stones, de- redeemed, Citizens, amen. We're the chosen, we're priests, we're holy people, amen. We're God's special possession. We are those who declare the praises of Him who called us. Other versions use the word proclaim. We are those who proclaim, we are those who show forth, amen, the wonderful works of God, amen. We are the announcers. That's who we are. We're the announcers. In other words, you and I, individually, and the church collectively are the advertisement of the mighty acts of God. That's who we are. In the same way that nature screams the reality of God the creator, amen, Psalms 19 says the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship, so you and I declare the reality of God to the world, amen. Amen. In the same way that the stars and the moon and nature itself screams of the reality of a creator, amen. You and I, the church of Jesus Christ, and you and I as individuals, Christians, amen, we proclaim in the same way the reality of God, the reality of a creator, amen, Amen. a reality of a savior. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. So you and I declare the reality of God to the world. And so tonight, I'm going to take just a few more minutes, and I'm going to break down a couple of areas that I want to emphasize, two ways that we do that, two ways that we declare, two ways that we declare. First of all, we declare by our living, and secondly, we declare by our loving. We declare by our living, and we declare by our loving. Amen. First, think with me about we declare by our living. There's this old saying that says actions speak louder than words. Talk all you want, but if, if you don't back it up by how you live, I am not going to believe one word you said. You are a phony. You are a fake. You are a counterfeit. See, the first part, I was being nice. So you didn't... Yeah. And so it is with our lives, you guys... If you read the whole letter of 1 Peter, this is the conclusion of everything he says. You know, all that lofty stuff like being chosen people, didn't that make you feel good? Like, oh, I'm so special. We're so holy. We're priests and all of that. It means nothing if we don't turn away from the old way of living and turn our lives around and live righteously. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance but just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because i'm holy Chapter 2 and verse 1, therefore rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Jump down to verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. The things they see, not always the things we say. Folks, Peter ain't playing here. He goes on to say stuff like if you read the whole uh, the whole book, he goes on to, to deal with stuff like husbands and wives be considerate of and yield to one another. And that's part of, that's what, part of what people are going to see. How does the, the family unit work? Amen. Are you guys just like everybody else? Amen. Killing each other, cussing each other out. Nobody can figure it. Nobody's committed. Nobody's loyal. Nobody's going to make it work. Are we just a, just a reflection of how, how of the world that we live in? Are we the reflection of a different kingdom? Employees, he teaches, be representative of your king, Amen. Whether your employer is kind and considered or he's a jerk, that's foreign to us, isn't it? You guys want me to go on? Amen. Since we are these chosen people, our lives must back up our declaration of who God is. He is a holy God. Jesus himself was our example of holiness. When in, in 1 Peter 2.22, it says, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Folks, you say more by what you don't say than by what you say. That's heavy. The word holy means complete and whole. And we know that God is completely holy. He's a holy God. Amen. That really just means he's, he's completely kind. He's completely good. He's completely powerful. Amen. He's completely wise. Amen. He's completely righteous. He's not just righteous when he's in a good mood. Amen. He's righteous all the time. Amen. He's completely. In other words, that word holy means complete. He's completely loved. He loves you even when he's disciplining you. Amen. Everything that God does. Amen. He's holy. Amen. It, it, it doesn't vary. Amen. Often holiness is misrepresented by us as a list. Amen. When we read verses like, be holy as God is holy. I mean, that ter- that's terrifying. Like, oh my gosh. How? Amen. So, so we will make lists. This is where legalism comes in. We begin to make lists like, don't do this, don't go there, no cussing, don't wear that. And we think that if we can check off that list, then we're okay. But holiness is so much more than a box that we try to put it in. Holiness is nothing less than conformity to the character of God. Folks, this does not mean that we are perfect like God. Even the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was pretty close. I mean, he's, he had experiences in the spirit that none of us have ever had. Amen. And he said, I press towards the goal of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I mean, I haven't yet arrived. Amen. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that none of you have arrived yet. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're being, that we're going to be perfect, amen. It means that we, we are a work in progress. It means that we are serious about holiness in our lives, and we grieve over sin in our lives instead of justifying it or becoming blasé or comfortable with it. In other words, we should be growing in righteousness. If we're going to be a voice, amen, if our lives are going to be any declaration at all, an accurate picture of who God is to the world. And since God has called us to be a holy nation that declares or shows forth the wonderful works he has accomplished in our lives, we need to watch how we live. Okay, now I'm pinching in on some of your fun. Like, man, that ain't no fun. She's no fun. She's messing with our fun. Folks, I hope you listen. I hope you hear me out tonight. There is no substitute for holy living. You can experience spiritual manifestations out the wazoo. You can have you can actually have been used in spiritual gifts. You can do good deeds You might have even gone to a seminary and gained uh, all kinds of scriptural knowledge and theological knowledge and you got a degree. But none of these things are a substitute for godly, holy character and conduct. Those things will not be a substitute. In fact, I'm going to read a verse to you that might make you nervous. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. The bottom line is, folks, and I'm saying this with love tonight, Amen. The bottom line is we misrepresent God when we do not embrace holiness as the goal of our lifestyle. We are to reflect the glory of God through how we live. If that reflection is distorted, if we present a distorted picture to the world, Folks, individuals, cities, nations, even entire generations are lost because they received a distorted picture of who the church is and who Jesus is. They received a distorted picture through the lives of what were supposed to be Christians. Amen. Don't hate me. Be sure you get this tonight, how we live and conduct ourselves declares the loudest gospel message, or it doesn't. Secondly, amen, we declare by our loving. 1 Peter 1.22, he says, you were cleansed from your sin when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Let each other deeply love, or, or love each other deeply, with all your heart, love each other deeply just let let that one soak in for a minute amen I mean you get that's not like a generic like yeah we just love everybody oh, I love you, love you, love the dog, love this love this love love it we just love him no no no, that is so shallow amen he doesn't let us get away with that oh no uh-uh. Man, don't you love the word of God, amen, because it cuts in, amen, and you can't talk your way around it, amen. You can't misrepresent it or redefine it. He, he makes sure that you understand clearly. You've got to love each other deeply from the heart, from, with all your heart. How grievous it is to read some of the slams and the innuendos on social media between believers and between church members. I could hardly believe it. I can hardly believe it. I can only imagine what the Apostle Peter would think if he lived in our generation. He told us who we are. We're the chosen. We're special people, holy nation, priests. Then he told us to live holy lives and to back that up, amen, with how we lived. And then he told us how to love. He said, love deeply with all your heart. And I got to tell you, folks, amen, that's a huge challenge. Can all the honest people say amen? Amen. Man, that's a huge challenge. Every once in a while, I think that we need to do a personal audit to see where we are located on the love index. Amen? Amen. And this was not in my notes, amen, but sometimes it's easier to love people you don't know than it is to love people you know. And I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody tonight. The kingdom manifesto is about love. Love for each other would be the visible declaration that we belong to Christ and not counterfeit love. Amen. Jesus said in John 13, 34, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another another. That's how they'll be able to tell. That's how they'll know. Amen. Amen. Not how fine-tuned you're able to do the service. Amen. You know, how professional everything is. That's not going to tell them anything. Amen. just means you guys are, you know, greatly organized. It's not going to, it's not going to convey the message that really needs to be conveyed. Amen. And that is the love of God. Amen. That we are followers of Christ. How are they going to know that? By the way that we love each other. Amen. The early church grew exponentially when the sacrificial love that moved between them was witnessed by the world around them. When on the day of Pentecost, and then and they began to meet, and that, the church began to multiply. Amen. The rule of love replaced the law of self preservation and judgmentalism in the early church. They shared. They shared. And literally, some of them sold properties to make sure that others were taken care of. They sacrificed. They forgave. They were tenderhearted. They were hospitable. They had to abandon their prejudices. They had to abandon their preferred their preferred uh, 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 culture. Amen. They had to they had to abandon all of those things. Amen. They had to give up their own personal rights. They had to be willing to give up their own personal rights, amen. And because that was happening in the early church, amen, there was this exponential growth that began to take place. And the most unique demonstration of Christian love would be to love our enemies. That is like my least favorite verse in the entire Bible, amen. This was counterculture. This was counterculture. Jesus said in Matthew 5 43, he said, your ancestors have also been taught, have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you, do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them that for that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly father. That will reveal your identity. Folks, this love that is unique to our faith is not based on feelings. Because Christ first loved us, he enabled us to love. He enabled us to love him. Amen. Amen. He set our hearts free, amen, so that we could even love him. Amen. He... He loved us first, amen. He enabled us to love him and then to love others in the truest sense of the word, amen. He began to do things in our hearts, amen, that make, made them alive and made them vulnerable, brought the walls down. Folks, it's not the ooey-gooey, goosebumpy love. It's a decided, determined love. We choose to love. We make our minds up to respond in uh, in love even when we are have been offended or when someone is unlovable it's not always easy it will be sorely tested from time to time and let me, even as pastors i got to tell you pastors are sorely tested amen pastor R, did you discover that sheep bite The apostle John said, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before. John, First John 2, 7. It is a sad indictment on God's people who are to be the representatives of God, who is love, when we do not genuinely love. And Peter said, deeply, with all your heart. Folks, you and I can't love with that, like that without the help of the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen? Have you discovered that? Amen. Amen. We just, it, it ain't in us. Amen. Amen. We can't love with, like that without the help of the Holy Spirit. Sometime, sometimes you're going to have to do acts of love even if you don't feel like it. We're gonna to have to do, I'm, I'm gonna to leave town tomorrow, so praise the Lord. We're gonna, this is, this is for some people tonight. We're gonna to have to do some flesh killing stuff like hold our tongue when we'd really like to give them a piece of our mind. We will have to refuse to retaliate. We will need to show kindness to those who clearly do not deserve it. We'll have to become colorblind. And culture blind, yeah. we'll have to share the gospel with people that hate us for what we believe, and even persecute, d- discriminate against us for being Christians, for being Christ followers. Amen. And we are moving into that realm. Have, has anybody felt the sting of that yet? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're feeling that, aren't you? Aren't we? Man, it's it's happening. It's happening in our nation. It's happening in our culture. Amen. And, and, but we're to be counterculture. We can't forget who we are. When we allow the Holy Spirit to rat, radically recalibrate our hearts and make them loving hearts, then the world will hear our declaration of praise to the Lord who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Folks, that's my message that I felt to bring to you. Our lives... Hallelujah. Our lives, our love are a demonstration and a declaration. Amen. I know that probably someone's going to help us throughout this conference, the things that we need to speak and the things that we need to testify. Amen. But if we don't start here, amen, with what we don't say, amen, our words will have no impact whatsoever. Amen. What you say with your mouth will only go this far. My husband used to say, go right here and and hit the altar. It'll never make it out. It'll never reach. Amen. If we can't live the life and if we won't love like Christ called us to love. Amen.